Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash haveadrink. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your device. Also, by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. It's a style episode again, so what do we have this time? Why can't I see through this? This isn't a stout. I can smell the hops, and IPAs are supposed to be clear. Or are they? It's time we focus on a new addition to the Brewers Association styles and talk about the New England style IPA. So get ready for some arguments about the words juicy and hazy while we have a drink. to have a drink the show where you learn along with us about what you drink i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier i'm christopher walker and i'm casey price <laughs> so what we're snickering about is uh <laughs> just before we go live suddenly we're getting like pictures of uh behinds and uh custom <laughs> custom sweatpants <laughs> oh dear i missed the last Free one I was gonna say, did you see that one too? That's what he just said. Oh, okay, like, you can't send that before we when we're going live. I just like I went into shock and just just went. Yeah, no, I saw that on my search. I was like, seriously, this is happening. Oh my! All right, so what? This is what juicy research gets into? Ooh. Oh, yeah. So what has everyone been up to over the last week? Aside from yeah, um, not. Not a whole lot. Uh, I've I've been pretty boring lately. Uh, <laughs> Casey, regale us with, with adventures. Uh, I got nothing. Our local uh, distillery uh, brewery is supposed to probably be opening in July. Um, okay. I think that's probably the newest cool news for this week. Um, I have been... We just got finished with probably the busiest work week i don't want to say busiest but the most stressful work week it's the, the when our accreditors come in and mm. and say yes you can continue to operate oh uh, so that's you know that week's always been stressful so at the end of the week we did a little conference um down in in um lexington so i was able to go out and have some bloody mary's last night and this morning those were delicious some if you were in the discord gigantic. you saw what that uh, glorious Bloody Mary. It looked it was like his lunch. His lunch was yeah. on the rim of this glass. <laughs> Look, there's a point when garnishes become too much, and that was well beyond that point. <laughs> I could have done with a couple extra shrimp on there. Um, <laughs> this, the bacon was throw this. Couple, throw some shrimp on the Mary. <laughs> the bacon was this huge, thick cut piece. Like you get the thick cut in the store, but then it was thicker than the thick cut. It was like. When you go to Whole Foods and get their thick cut bacon, like that mm. thickness, and then it had um, 
Did did these cuts have sweatpants on them that had juicy on them? <laughs> they did not, although it was thick enough to get that. Um, <laughs> that the the bacon was then like coated in brown sugar and, oh. and that you got like a whole strip of bacon, a whole stock of celery, uh, a shrimp, two olives, uh, two pieces of cheese, and a pepperoncini <laughs> to top it all off. If that wasn't enough, mm. they they were voted the best Bloody Marys in Lexington. The garnish was great, but the mix itself, the one at Malone's, was better. Oh. See, I thought I saw like whole sausage, whole sausages in that thing <laughs> when I saw it earlier. So uh, it was just a giant stick of bacon on there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we were out at dinner last night, and the people we were with, we were drinking Bloody Marys at what eight o'clock at night. That's not necessarily the most common thing, but. Um, the I was with a coworker and she was like, "Hey, you know, I really like this Bloody Mary mix. Can we just get some to take home?" So she had the bartender pour two to go cups full of the mix so she could go <laughs> back home and and make Bloody Marys for oh, that evening. Oh wow! I've done that. Not <laughs> I've ordered them. I've been the one that has to pour them for uh, them. Yep. And I had to also just tell them just. Go to the grocery store or somewhere and find some Ocean Spray Bloody Mary mix. So theirs is based off of Ocean Spray. I know that because that, they actually just put it in the jug back in the jug after they made it for. <laughs> but it add they add in like a bottle of steak sauce in there as well, A1 and Worcestershire sauce and all that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So some additional. It was it's I mean, Malone's has the best Bloody Mary mix that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the other one had some of the best garnish. Yeah. You just combine them. That's what matters, right? Exactly. Get the one in the to-go cup, and then you go over to the <laughs> other and get the garnish. I mean, that's the yeah. just you Man. Here, I brought my own Bloody Mary mix. Use this. I just, yeah. I just want the garnish. <laughs> All right. I, I've not been up to much interesting because I'm actually, oh, sad to say, I'm not giving up drinking. No, that's never happening. But um, I'm ending my crusade to drink everything local as it comes <laughs> out because it's just not feasible. And nope. Cincinnati, as much as I love you, your craft beer scene is getting out of hand. <laughs> it is an amazing thing that the scene is still supporting the, this many local breweries. And then on any given Saturday, we can be having five special releases. And if you're not at every one of those, when the doors open, you're probably not getting those beers. See, and, you were <laughs> telling me about some of these that are upcoming in the future. And I was trying to figure out how I can teleport from Eastern <laughs> Kentucky all the way to uh, to Cincinnati, you know, instantly, so I can get to to Streetside for. Uh, well, the one you certain, have to come uh, up for next month, anyway. We've been trying, or at least we've been trying to get you to come up for it. Um, when us, when some of our our people are going to be in town. Um, and raspberry beret. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no way I can't have that. Yeah, pretty much. At the very least, I'm sending you uh, a bag of unmarked bills. (laughs) Don't ask where they came from. So, yeah, I've just been calming down on my local buying, and I'll still be going to some things that I really want to try. I mean, I want to limit myself maybe once a month I'll go to release. Maybe. Because it was getting really out of hand when I was spending every Saturday morning drunk in a parking <laughs> lot somewhere and just like starting to reevaluate my life like, what am i doing yeah <sighs> yep <laughs> we're, we're there to support you but speaking of what uh, we... i'm not i don't endorse this decision chris i need you dr- more drunk on more saturday mornings <laughs> no 
I mean, I got to sleep, I guess. But <laughs> I got to sleep in. It felt nice. All right, so uh, something that we've all been taking part in is the Diamond Club movie draft, and let's see how terrible we've been doing. <laughs> Welcome to your B-Team Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of April 23rd, 2018. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. You can't reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. Worst staff meeting ever. Let's go to the scoreboard. Teams the Bond Squad and Walking Drunk are tied for last place, still waiting for their first film. Team Have a Drink is in fourth place with $33.4 million. Team Movie Party's in third place with $48.7 million. Then there's second place. With Ready Player One pegging in another $7 million, Team Game Night has $126.7 million. But with A Quiet Place, Rampage, and Truth or Dare combined box office take of $48.8 million, Team Ritual Misery holds on to first place with a buttery $230.5 million. That's your movie draft minute. All totals are accurate as of 6 p.m. Tuesday, April 24th, 2018. Man. Okay. So They're going down. So I will say, like, they were all like, oh, we've got such such terrible movies in the draft. You know, they're doing all right so far. Ritual Misery, that is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I went ahead and pulled up the draft doc because... There has been one thing that's come out since then. I mean, a little little art house film we may have <laughs> since since Tuesday evening. Yes, uh, I, I'm I'm interested to see what next week's update's going to look like after the full weekend mm-hmm. has passed. So, between our two movies, I'll tell you as of right now, I, we're not we well. have we're not in first. No, we're not in last but though. We, we're not going to be in fourth. We're, we're in second. And we have one hundred and forty nine oh uh, million goodness. five hundred and ninety five. Based solely on Thursday and Friday box office. Yeah, like we're not through the weekend yet. Anyone wondering we have And uh, we're gonna be contributing to that tomorrow. We have Infinity War <laughs> on uh, in the uh, I, I contributed well technically my roommate contributed to that. Uh uh but I went uh Thursday Thursday night. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, spoiler free thoughts? Um, it's a good, it's a good half of a movie. Um, you, you better uh, say it's amazing. That it is actually like... really good. It is really good. Uh, I just like at the, it ends and I'm like, that's actually, you know, for what I expected to be like half movie and then next half movie, right. it actually is one cohesive story and then you can move on from there. But I'm like, I mean, we've got to go from here. Like there, you can't stop. Yeah. But yeah, you have to remember it is part one. So I saw Tom Merritt oh. give it on the Tom Merritt scale a great. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So, so it's positive things coming out. It's not going to be the train wreck. Apparently, a lot of us were afraid it could be. I'm not afraid it could be a train wreck. I'm just scared that I know some things are going to happen. I don't look forward to. So, well, yeah. we'll we're, we should have a talk about this tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're we're when we go, we're going at noon. So. Yeah, we're okay. doing. We we had to do the matinee thing because I went to go get tickets, and I we were hoping to get it like all the tickets for uh, Friday, all day Saturday. Like, done, you oh. can you could not get seats. Did you know that people still buy tickets for stuff like that? General admission, I didn't because that's insanity. Because someone uh, someone behind us uh, in line, we were going to our our seatings for the things like, yeah, I've just you know, I had to go pick them up, and I'm I'm. We're waiting for our, our theater to open up, and I'm like, dude, how do you not just reserve seats? And I'm like, oh, you're like, 
19. You got time to kill. I don't. I'm going to die sooner than you. <laughs> yeah. Time becomes a premium. I, this is why Chris has quit his beer searches. Yeah. Uh, my Saturday mornings I are a little important to me now. I can't imagine for this type of, like, the you know, the big movies not doing reserve seating. Like, I if I were to go to a theater that didn't have reserve seating at this point, I'd be like, I, I, no, this is it's not going to happen. <laughs> and we, we're going with a group of, like, what is there, like, six of us? I think. Six or seven. Yeah. So we kind of had to get very specific, like, we need to make sure all of these seats are available. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be fun. All right. This feels like a very WPR moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reserve my seat. <laughs> it so does. Drunk uh, people rich. Drunk people rich. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, aside from the movie draft, we have some other announcements, standard stuff. Uh, our next episode is going to be Saturday, May 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and we will be covering the Kentucky Derby drinks. So it, it yes. is the... We've all been confused as to when this episode was coming up. <laughs> it is indeed this coming, like, a week from today, so start working on those derby hats. I swear, it like... It is the derby day. Two weeks ago, I was like, well, the derby one's tonight, and they're like, no, no. And I was like, well, it's next weekend then. Nope. Still, <laughs> like, I don't know why. We're horrible Kentuckians. Yeah. Horrible Kentuckians. Derby, derby hat complete. Achieved. Does not... Uh, okay. if, no? We need someone to describe what's Imperial happening. Imperial like six he, pop collars to go with those yeah. two hats. He just started stacking baseball hats on his head. Uh, yes, uh, but that is Derby Day, so you know we can go and place our bets, and then uh, we might be able to come up with something special for that evening. After the Derby's all done, we may may do a little special drink or two with some of those Derby drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert: This year's Derby drink comes from Woodford Reserve. As it has for the past few years. So, someone eating on your shelf, you might want to go pick some up so you could drink along with us. Someone's the official bourbon of uh, the Kentucky Derby, ah, and they have yes. special special bottles to say mm-hmm. as such. Indeed, That's fine by me. Although I'm not paying, it's the same liquor, so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm just using my old bottle that I've got here on the shelf. Yeah, you got to use the bottle of double. But oaked if you're out, that we've got. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. We'd also like to remind everyone, uh, our news show is still going, and uh, we just recorded that episode. It's going to be it's live every Saturday, just before this show, seven thirty p.m. Eastern Time, and you can look for Have a Drink News in your podcatcher of choice. Um, also, finally, uh, we're happy to join the Diamond Club team in the year-round Extra Life campaign to support Children's Miracle Network. Woo! Donate to our page, and you can help us help the team reach the ten thousand dollar goal. So go to bit.ly slash H A D extra life, all lowercase had extra life. Oh, and uh, patrons, uh, be a patron uh, during the month of. Oh yes, 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 yes. What what month's coming up? Uh, as of May? It, as of May first, <laughs> yeah. So after after May first, probably through the the first week, give you time to hear this. Yeah, and you'll be getting a little something in the mailbox, just a little something to say we appreciate you. And 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 there's no uh, limit on the patronage. You can pledge a dollar, or or you could do the five dollars if you want. Yeah, come in. Um, but either it. way, sure. just saying, we'll pledge a dollar, we'll give you a holiday. You'll get a real world <laughs> meat space thing from us if you are a patron by the first week of May. Meat, meat. It will be meat. No, no, it won't. It really <laughs> Everybody won't. Gets a Johnson's it, it, thing it's in gonna, the mail. It's gonna probably be a sticker, not meat. <laughs> Maybe a sticker of meat. We'll, we'll look into Ooh. that. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of meat stickers, how about some news? Uh, oh, boy. Right. Before uh, we jump right into the main news, I do have a couple stories that aren't necessarily 
uh, huge news, but I do want to draw people's attention to it. Um, I'm sorry this isn't on the dock, but there was a, um, in March, there was a bourbon article that was published and, or not an article, a paper that was published from um, the University of Louisville. And I just wanted to kind of put this out there. It's uh, Carson Hardig and Connor Lennon. Uh, It's called the Bourbon Whiskey Boring Collectible or Valuable Alternative Investment. Mm. And I just wanted to put that out there. It's an 18-page paper that studies what over about four years, three and a half years, something like that, um, the prices of bourbon in the secondary market. And for those of you that are interested in that sort of thing, might want to go out there and check it out. I learned about it on the Bourbon Pursuit podcast. I don't necessarily want to talk outside of of the the club, but uh, it's a pretty good podcast that, um, kind of goes into some just bourbon stuff while we talk all, all drinks uh, included. All drinks of all stripes and colors. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're diverse in our drinking. Hmm. That's cool. Okay. Well, all right. Nice. Um, so we are not allowed to talk about uh, anything anymore, it seems, because <laughs> bad things or interesting things seem to come about <laughs> when we mention a topic on here. We'll talk about something. So say it's in the news episode uh, a few weeks ago. We ran a story that we just kind of, we didn't conjure it up, but we took some of the raw data and headlines that were coming out about uh, the uh, grape harvest in South Africa and extrapolated kind of on what's, you know, what's going to happen with that. And then lo and behold, this past week, every everyone who runs any kind of wine, anything with news was suddenly going on about the what's going to be the low end shortage and price jacking. So we're, what recently we're just ahead of the curve, ahead of the curve. And then Casey's had us ahead of the curve on many a bourbon story, like before <laughs> there was anything written. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Case in point, the uh, sour mash from uh, Crown Royal, which they have now uh, distributors sent out, or I guess Crown had to send to their distributors, which sent to all the locations, little tags, little sticker tags that were not there originally. You may actually, I'm sure it's even more of a collector's item now. If you got one that doesn't have the sticker, <laughs> But yeah, they've had to. Because I'm sure those stickers rip off the paper. Well, yeah. Uh, so the stickers say, uh, what, like, not bourbon? Yeah. It says, this is not bourbon whiskey. Yeah. Right underneath where it says, Crown Royal Bourbon Mash. The first time I saw those on the shelf, it did not say that on the bottom. Mm. And yeah, now it, it says did. it on, on, like, a sticker put on the packaging and on the bottle. The, yeah. Mm. So, stating of which. But anyway, what the story is Laura. And oh. McKenna. 10 year now i can't find it anywhere on the shelves Ooh, we, we, we just saw it at party sort or at, we just uh, saw it today it, i was reading a reddit um a reddit post where somebody had went to four different stores in their area where it's normally readily available um four different stores all four were sold out he found one bottle at the last store wow wow, wow. all right mckenna's the one to grab well <laughs> On this trend of things we're not allowed to talk about uh, because they come true or bad things happen, Laura Bell to step away as CEO of Bell's Brewery on May 18th. Bell's Brewery co-owner Laura Bell, and I kind of say her name was always a, a family joke whenever we'd travel. <laughs> Laura Bell. Is, uh, we'd say my sister's names were either Laura Bell and Lula Bell. And my dad would always act like he was separated from the family and have someone go on an intercom and he'd say, can I have a, a Laura Bell and a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the colonel. 
So Bell Brewery owner Laura Bell will step away as CEO of the Michigan-based craft beer company. Uh, she wrote in a letter to distributors yesterday. That's an odd one. Yeah. Uh, citing her desire to explore other passions and interests. Bell said uh, she would relinquish the position on May 18th. She was appointed CEO on February 3rd, 2017. Not a very long reign as CEO. <laughs> no, not really. Um I, I am curious as to what what may have uh, precipitated this. Uh, my first thought was maybe she just got tired of working with Daddy. May, yeah, maybe all that uh, time she wanted with Dad, she didn't really want it. So in her huh? in her memo, Bell, who will remain on the company's board of directors, said the move did not signal an impending sale of the business. Uh, we are not selling and will remain 100% independently owned family business, she wrote. As Bell steps back from the business, her father, Larry Bell, who founded the company in 1985, will oversee operations. Day-to-day uh, -day operations will be overseen by Larry Bell, in addition to senior leadership, of whom uh, this Brewbound article is stating. Uh, he has, says he has the utmost confidence, Bell wrote, so he's not, he's not saying who. He just has confidence. Uh, Bell, who began working full-time at the brewery in 2007, served as a marketing director between 2009 and 2013. That year, uh, she took over as vice president and would later be named CEO. So what are what are leading thoughts on why? So this is about a one-year stint. This... They didn't say they had another person slated to become the, the company's president. Um, Leads us to believe it is sudden. Like there was it, nothing it else would, to put in place. Yeah, well, and, and the person taken back over is her father, the co-owner of Bell's, Larry Bell. Mm -hmm. So the there's a couple ways it could go. Spec, I, I, this is complete speculation. So... Um, it may have been a lot and uh, she may have been expecting a lot, but after a year of doing this, this very hard job day in and day out, being on call at all hours, it may have gotten to the point where she says, Hey, I don't want to work this hard. Um, I'd like to do some other things. And, and that could be one of the options. Um, this is something that happens with a lot of females in industry in general is they, they want to take time for family. They're there. They put priorities where um, they want to put priorities and um, family sometimes comes before business. And, and that's sometimes their choice. Sometimes it's the family's need that, that makes it that, and it's not their choice on that end. And so that could be something she, I don't know if she's got any kids, but there could be a lot of, of, family things that could be coming into this and then it could be on on the third point it could be something that the board um is just kind of saying hey we we loved what you did as as marketing director you you brought us into a lot of great places but whenever you come in the ceo ship it's not just about putting your brand out there it's about doing more than just that and so she may be um kind of a not really a forced out but hey we tried this for a little while it didn't work out uh maybe it's time for you to go and try some different things yeah uh I, I don't know how that could be weird so the article kind of finishes up there 
Uh, they're saying under her leadership, the company grew off-premise sales, but this is again going her background in marketing, uh, off-premise sales by more than 18% in 2017. So that would have been all under, you know, her watch. Uh, and dollar sales of Bell's brands are up 18% through the first three mm-hmm. months of 2018. So that's actually yeah. like some nice double digits that they're putting up. So the, the third option's probably out then. She's probably doing a really good job. Um, and and that could be what uh, some of the other things. Uh, it did. He did mention that she holds dual bachelor degrees from Michigan State University, those degrees, however, are in urban planning and anthropology. <laughs> so that uh, he he said, we'll see. She could very well explore some of those areas. So that may be a hint of where she's going next and what mm. what kind of her her next steps may be. Yeah, I can see her not being professionally fulfilled by the job. I, yeah, if yeah. she doesn't have to do it, it's got the letter away. that she wrote <clears throat> at the uh, at the end of the article to the distributors. And Which again is odd. It, that the distributor gonna... thing's odd, but yeah. Um, the in the with the the way the letter is written, it does feel like it was her decision, not mm-hmm. like she got kicked out or anything. And she's staying um, on the board too, yes. so that that means a but, lot. Uh, and and you know, being on the board, you don't have to be there every day. You don't have to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's you have much different responsibilities. Um, I would imagine because she worked in other other places in the company, she probably just wants to get somewhere else. Like it's possible that she mm-hmm. just doesn't, you know, most um, you know, offspring of of people who of like family business owners uh want to don't necessarily always want to follow in the footsteps of the person who owns that business. Sure. Um, they don't want to be part of the family business. And maybe she, after a year of, of having to be in charge of everything, she's like, maybe this isn't for me. Um, but yeah. she still wants to be, um, she still wants to have a say because, which is the board of the directors thing. But I, I, you know, there's a big difference between that and being CEO, you know? Absolutely. Um, as I was talking about the bourbon pursuit podcast, the, most recent episode that I really love listening to was Bill Samuels Jr. talking about how he was taking over the company from his father. And that transition was one of the hardest transitions that I've ever heard of because his father was the hobbyist type. He didn't care less if the brewery, or I mean, sorry, the distillery went out and sold bourbon outside of Kentucky his idea of marketing was if they come to us we'll sell it to them but we're not going to try to get people to buy our bourbon (laughs) and so his son actually had to take some weird initiatives to bring in um, the Wall Street Journal reporter and actually had to lie to his father and say it was a fraternity brother so his father would talk to him oh wow Uh, and that one one moment changed the trajectory of Maker's Mark Bourbon and completely took it outside of Kentucky during a time when bourbon was on a downtrend. Hmm. So Laura Bell coming in probably had a totally different perspective and a totally different idea, like you were talking about, of what business is and what you do with it. And and she may have been there to kind of help out her father. I mean, on, on the Maker's Mark side, he, the son, went in and actually was a rocket scientist. Bill, Bill, so Bill Samuels Jr. was a rocket scientist. 
he was trained in engineering, worked for NASA, <laughs> and then his father said, if you want to come back into the business, I'll let you, but you got to get a law degree first. So he had to go back after being a, after being a rocket scientist and get a law degree. It's, it's a, such an interesting story. I want to do an God. episode on Maker's Mark. <laughs> but um, but it, it, it's such a weird – these people have so many different ideas of where companies need to go. Mm-hmm. It could have been that her direction for the company wasn't the same as his direction for the company. Or it could have been, hey – I can do this. I'll try to do this for you, but we'll see what happens after a year. And I think that's probably what happened. She, he probably yeah. said, give it a year. I want you to try this out. Give it a year. It, we'll see what you want to do after that. And uh, that's probably, in, in my opinion, that's probably the case because they are, I think both of them are co-owners or at least. They're both on the board. He yeah. Is, Larry so, is majority owner yeah, in the end and the board, I think, owns the rest. Yeah. I don't remember that episode. <laughs> yeah, you weren't you weren't here for that one, but uh, in that episode <laughs> we talked about how she did like they her and Larry were kind of like estranged for a while, like they've not had the best relationship through life, right? So, which but... is probably part of this too. So. Oh, that's right. I remember the, uh, he was he was at the at the job all the time, and she was ne- yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. makes sense, especially was... if she didn't want to be like her father. Yeah, yeah you could have had something like that that yep. cropped up. Yeah, but either way, she will step she away. She listened to and... our podcast and changed her entire mind after <laughs> yeah. she saw it put forth like that. She suddenly hit her in the face, and she was like, "Oh no, I'm becoming my father." <laughs> but then she she held tightly. Went, "No, no okay. <laughs> All right. Uh Melodrama uh, aside, aside. Let's, let's go into some untapped. Okay. Get riggedy, riggedy, All right. Well, we've got a badge here from Blue Point Brewing. The New York Pinstripe Pilsner is also an update to this. Uh, <laughs> update due to overwhelming popularity. Uh, New York Pinstripe Pilsner has sold out, but you can still unlock the badge oh. as we have opened it up to uh, the criteria to. Any Blue Point beer. Oh, wow. The, uh... What? That's yeah. a new problem. New York, the, uh, New York Pinstripe Pills, the Toasted Lager, Summer Ale, Hoptical Illusion IPA. That's actually kind of a good name. I like that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Mosaic IPA, uh, while at Yankee Stadium. Oh, that's You, you okay. realize this Blue Point is... An AB InBev owned company. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they sold out of beer. Yes. Because their uh, mass produced facility is not yet open. It is going to be in New York. And this is also, uh, we were, I think, did we discuss this while you were gone or were you here when we talked about it, Casey? That that's going to be the facility uh, where they're offloading all the East Coast bought brands. Mm. And Wicked I Weed. I think I was here. They're going to start canning Wicked Weed beers, we suspect, from yeah. the same facility, which is going to be the mass producing facility for Blue Point. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a, it's obviously a Yankees thing. Like, Yeah. I, that was sure. I could see how that's, you know, <laughs> going to sell out maybe. Official beer of, People, the, of the Yankees and, of course, everyone. If it's themed to, like, insert popular sport right now. <laughs> then yeah, it'll probably sell a lot. <laughs> the the thing about these badges is they're made to help you sell more beer, and usually you get a badge whenever it's something that's probably not going to be sold as I mean, it's not going to be as popular unless you put a badge on it. So they've paid for marketing for this badge, 
They didn't even need to. They didn't even need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, I think what was better was uh, the badges for Waldos coming out of Laguanitas, oh, where yeah. they just said, there are badges. There are multiple badges. We're not going to tell you how many or even what you have to do to get them. They're just like, go find out. And sure enough, everyone was on this badge hunt to figure out how to get all the... Re- ended up That's being, how you do that. There ended yeah. up being like five badges, and it was some crazy stuff you had to do. Maybe there are more that you don't even know about that okay. nobody unlocked because they were just so crazy. Could have been. Check into a Waldo's in every state on 420. Butt chug a Waldo's. <laughs> <laughs> Serving method. Butt chug. <laughs> Should have brought that up. What? Oh, during the interview. Oh. Water, water bong a Waldo's. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, oh. that one makes more sense. All right. Oh. Any, anything else something? on Blue Point? Sorry. Yeah, I was like, did we? Are we done on that one? Okay. I no. mean, but yeah, that's more. But <laughs> so basically, uh, yeah, it's baseball season, and our friends at Blue Point are ready for their latest crea- creation, the New York Pinstripe Pills, which you can't get, uh, <laughs> brewed exclusively for the New York Yankees, and only available at Yankee Stadium. There's only one place you can get this, and they didn't make enough of it. Um, that's nuts. <laughs> This bright golden pilsner is a crisp, clean, and balanced. The pinstripe pills is brewed with a generous amount of pilsner mop and motuka. 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 Motuka hops, which gives it a hint of lime aroma. Perfect for a hot summer day at the ballpark. Be sure to enjoy one the next time at the old ball game. See, that actually sounds pretty good. You can hit a home run by unlocking the new badge. Check into one of the following beers from Just Blue Point. Grab a Blue Point. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, uh, the New York Post Drive Pills, Toast Lager, Summer Ale, Hopsicle Illusion, Mosaic IPA, while tagging your location at Yankee Stadium hmm. in Bronx, New York. Wow. Uh, and then you can get the badge. So, basically, if you're in New York, you can get this badge. Well... Uh, both of our badges seem to be location dependent. Where else could you be and get a badge? Yes, so uh, I think one of our other more uh, favorite breweries, really, Cigar mm. City, uh, brewing tapped in. Uh, is that Minnesota? Yes, Minnesota. Cigar, Cigar City, City was Florida. What do they make? The, what? <laughs> that's another thing. Uh, none of these. Yeah, Minnesota. None of the it, it, it says all the untapped are so poorly done. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, for they're their badly written. You're supposed to put MN as a, a full letter, a full Minnesota first, and then start making the abbreviation. Uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So, uh, Cigar City is making their way to the land of ten thousand lakes by way of our friends, uh, JJ Taylor Distributing Company of. MN Inc. Uh, beginning in May, kegs of the award-winning, oh God, highlight, highlight. Thank you. Uh, IPA, uh, Maduro Brown Ale, Invasion Tropical Pale Ale, and their newest year-round offering, Guayabera Citra Pale Ale, uh, will be available throughout Minnesota. Cans will be arriving to Minnesota beginning mid-June of this year. All Minnesotans untapped can celebrate the arrival of Cigar City by unlocking the all-new Cigar City Brewing Tapped-In MN badge 
uh, check into one beer from Cigar City Brewing in the state of Minnesota from April 26th to May 26th. So you get a whole month there at least. Every time so, you said Minnesota, all I wanted to do was just go Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota. It's a cute. So it's a nice Gua- looking badge too. A guayabera is a men's shirt designed with two vertical rows of closely sewn pleats that run the length of the front and back of the shirt, typically made of lightweight linen or cotton worn, untucked, and appropriate for hot or humid weather. So they made popular a, in the Caribbean, yeah. especially Cuba, Central America, and Southeast Asia. So they made a, a say, beer like, named after a shirt you, that people wear in Florida. Yeah, I was gonna say like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, those are the shirts that the the I always see when they like. Now we look at Little Havana. <laughs> yeah, 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 that is exactly the shirt. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, don't you usually see? Uh, I feel like I've seen Cheech Marin wear one. Is one of probably probably. probably. So again, uh, with Kentucky getting skipped over, in I was going to say Minnesota is a weird way to go Minnesota from Florida. A, a, yeah, <laughs> let's let's jump from Florida to Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. I, I just have to say before we move on to the next page, um, Ashley brought me in my my dinner here she ate tacos fries too by the way mcdonald's today but look what's oh. now available again szechuan sauce is available i've heard that the mcdonald's one is not that fantastic but that could just it's, be butter I mean, people who couldn't get it <laughs> true it's it's chinese or asian flavored to some extent <laughs> it's decent okay all right. Well, all right. Okay. Well, we'd also like to take this time to thank our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash have a drink show for supporting this podcast. We'd also like to thank audible.com. Audible is offering a free audiobook download for uh, with a three thirty day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services. Uh, this week, I'd like to talk something, uh, one of my suggestions again, so... It's a history book. Um, <laughs> so if you want to get your uh, history rager going... Yeah, uh, I'm reading uh, Napoleon, A Life by uh, Andrew Roberts uh, through Audible. And uh, it's, it's, you know, biography of, of Napoleon Bonaparte, leader of France in the end of the revolutionary into essentially the Napoleonic period. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, it's it, it, He does a lot to... Uh, change the or to to challenge ideas that are traditional about napoleon because you tend to think of him uh through uh people who have a vested interest to discredit napoleon yeah uh, now that said still probably not that great a guy uh yeah. but better than you'd but better than he usually gets pressed for uh it's kind of like that whole you know hitler could do public speaking you can't <laughs> deny it <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it's quite that bad, uh, but I haven't seen how he tries to justify him later in life. Mm. Uh, he does bring up a lot of the reforms that he he made sure got pushed through, uh, especially post, you know, once he was in full power. But also, you know, did try to conquer a whole lot, a whole large part of Europe. Um, yeah, and the whole Eddie Izzard skit comes into my head. <laughs> Napoleon came steaming in. Oh, I've got a good idea. I've got a good idea. Oh, it's a bit oh, cold. It's a bit cold. It's a bit cold. <laughs> then Hitler came in. Oh, I've got the same idea. Or I've got a better idea, better idea. Oh, it's the same idea. It's the same idea. They they talk a bit in there about um, uh, people making a lot of comparisons because the last time someone honestly tried to take over 
all of the European continent before Hitler was Napoleon. So <laughs> he gets a lot of comparisons to Hitler, which may not necessarily be the most favoring thing for Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it it is interesting, and you do get the the impression as they're going through this, like he was a really like you know on Julius Caesar level smart kind of guy mm-hmm. uh, really good at multitasking and apparently a, a ridiculous memory uh, and a, a good eye for who to put in, in key positions uh, as long as they weren't his family in which case he would go whatever put them wherever I, I, I want them in power uh, <laughs> but no it's, it's a really interesting book uh, I recommend giving it a shot if you have any interest uh, in, in that uh, and if not there are other books on audible Mm-hmm. Well, where could I go if I wanted to wanted to well, go? Well, you can you can get a free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com/haveadrink. Again, that's audibletrial.com/haveadrink for your free audiobook. Yes. All right. And uh my my memory is it's just a little just a little hazy, but I think we have a topic. Ouch. For once, I'm really not even like borderline. <laughs> I yeah, I know. Like I'm used to being a bit. Used to having this hit me a lot harder. I mean, uh, it, it, it's what, uh, what happens when you stop spending Saturday mornings hanging out at breweries? <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably that, and uh, when you drink to style with this style, they're a bit pricey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, today we are talking about New England IPAs. Uh, Little, little, little different from your standard IPAs. Uh, these the p- type of IPAs figured by one Biggie Smalls. Wait, that's <laughs> that's not right. Uh, really anyway, uh, New England IPAs are uh, are beers that are purposely hazy or cloudy, which can give uh, give a brew a, a smooth, creamy mouthfeel. Departure from the light, dry mouthfeel you might get with West Coast IPAs. Uh, they also have little to no hop bitterness at the end, uh, utilizing hops to impart a tropical, juicy sweetness rather than the classic bitter, dank, or citrusy flavors of the West Coast IPA uh, lovers have come to expect. Most breweries uh, have chased bitterness. Uh, some smaller uh, outfits in, on the East Coast decided to do something different with strains of hop, hops and yeast that were just coming into their own. Hops are only part of the equation because the real magic of the New England IPA occurs in the interplay between those hops and the yeast. Yeast strains used to brew New England IPAs oh, pardon, uh, are different from the Chico yeast brewers would have traditionally reached for. They create more esters. Pause. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, where did I leave off? Um, uh, which are sometimes uh, perceived as fruity aromas and flavors. They tend to leave a fuller, sweeter impression. Uh, the Chico yeast specifically is uh, it's named Chico because it's supposedly the one that comes from Sierra Nevada, and yeah. they're based in Chico, California. So oh, okay. that is that is supposedly where it where it originates, and it's a very clean, fast fermenting. Um, think of Sierra Nevada Pell Ale, and that's kind of the the quintessential Chico yeast flavor. Yes, I was gonna say if you want to know what that uh, you want a great example of what Chico yeast does, it, that is the beer to get. Hmm. All right. Well, from all accounts, what has become to be called the New England-style IPA began being brewed in Vermont back in the mid-1990s. 
by uh, John Kimchi, uh, Kimmich <laughs> and uh, Greg Noonan. Isn't no, sorry, I'm thinking of something uh, of Peter Coogan. Sorry, uh, <laughs> got a lot of name associations going on today. Uh, John Kimmich and Greg Noonan of The Alchemist. Uh, Noonan passed away in 2009, but he was one of the very first brewers at the, uh, brewers at the time who didn't care whether his IPAs had a fuzzier quality to them. Uh, we'd be making these IPAs, and they'd ha- have a haze to them, Kimmich said. And Greg would say, so what? Does it taste amazing? <laughs> uh, their beer, Hetty Topper, was arguably the first New England-style IPA, through the haze, uh, though the haze was a byproduct of the process to get the flavors the brewers were trying to, uh, trying to achieve, plus the fact that it's unfiltered and pasteurized. Uh, according to Kimmich, uh, the haze didn't really exist when we started uh, doing, uh, doing it other than uh, German Hefeweizens. Uh, it was about breaking free from the chains of commercial beer and that trained generations to think everything had to be sparkling bright and was able to sit on a warm shelf for uh, 12 weeks. In Vermont, you're allowed to self-distribute, so Alchemist had a total control over every part of the process, but it was difficult during that time to try to educate their retail accounts uh, to the importance of keeping the beer constantly refrigerated. What's interesting? One of the more interesting parts of that to me is that in Vermont, breweries can self-distribute. Yeah, that's yeah. that was kind of like a big TIL. <laughs> so that kind of comes down to why you see that from a lot of breweries in that area, and it's like, why don't they go? Like, I can't find this stuff anywhere. They do not go out of state. Why? Why? Would you, there's so much money made, and it's like they do it themselves. because <laughs> they do it themselves, and they have full control over it. That's why. Good. I found the other beer. Uh, <laughs> before we started insisting upon that, uh, it was kind of unheard of. Every 10 years or so, or so uh, sorry, even 10 years ago, so many stories had a handful of beers in the cooler and everything else was out warm, uh, said Kimmich. On top of this, many of the people uh, caused a fuss about the haziness of the beer for, uh, for years at the pub, implying something had gone wrong. Uh, when the beer was canned and it's now iconic 16-ounce silver cans, uh, some of those naysayers... Uh, said that the brewery wanted to drink out of the can to cover up the haze. Uh, but according to Kimmich, it's better to drink out of the can. Uh, if you pour it in a glass, you're just uh, inundating, uh, inundating it with oxygen. Uh, the CO2 breaks out of the uh, breaks out and releases the uh, aromatic, and it uh, rapidly declines. If you're drinking from the can, there's a layer of CO2 protecting it as it rides down the can. Uh, a regular at the Alchemist pub, Sean Hill opened Hill Farmstead in Greensboro Bend, Vermont, in 2010. The first two beers he brewed, the Edward Pale Ale and the Abner Double IPA, were delicately hazy and soft, in a uh, vein similar to Kimmich's hoppy beers. So, Hill Farmstead, uh, you know, a small brewery, they're just every year named the best brewery in the country. (laughs) Just every year. Hillshire Farms. (laughs) Go beer. No? (laughs) Go beer. (laughs) Hill Farmstead, go beer. Go beer. (laughs) I mean, really, they should be paying us for marketing. Uh, they should. <laughs> yeah, Savvy Drinkers in the release picked up on what these two brewers were putting down. Uh, the duo shared uh, not just a yeast strain in 2010. Hill says that only uh, Hill Farmstead, The Alchemist, and the Vermont Pub and Brewery were using the strain of Noonan referred to as Conan. Conan, the yeast barian. Uh, <laughs> But they had a common philosophy built on self-distribution. Came real hard, close to saying self-destruction. <laughs> I mean, uh, 
The hops that are now synonymous with the New England IPA, Citra, Mosaic, Galaxy, were just debuting around that time, uh, debuting around the time that Hill Farmstead opened. Galaxy and Citra <laughs> hops were released in 2007 and Mosaic in 2012. It's really hard to wrap your mind around nowadays that those hops are that young. Yeah. I want to go back in a time machine and bring something like that back to, you know, ye old brewers. Just go <laughs> into some Trappist monks and go, try this. <laughs> What have you done? <laughs> yeah, slap some galaxy down and be like, try these bad boys out. <laughs> See how this they does you. They would kick you out as a heretic. They yeah. would. Well, also, they'd be wondering why you were naked, because you transported like the Terminator. Mm. Exactly, and you can't right. bring back modern things. Okay. <laughs> like Hobbs. Like Hobbs. You're saying, try... Crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, speaking of those hops, uh, we're, we're going to talk about a term that is... Uh, it, it starts some arguments. So doing research, uh, if you just Google juicy, uh, I think like some of the top results are just links to forum posts and Reddit arguments. <laughs> um, you probably need to specify juicy and beer. So, yeah, That's so the term juicy is advertised on only the most discerning sweatpant transsetter behinds. Wait, that can't be the right juicy. The term juicy when talking about beer has uh, become closely associated with the New England style. But what exactly does it mean? There seems to be no single agreed upon definition for this overused term. But a few things that are synonymous with the New England IPA work into most. Uh, a common use is to describe fruity. And this is kind of where I fall with it. Uh, the quality of fruitiness is one of the oldest and most established, derived usually from Esther's yeast. Had to, had to watch him. <laughs> usually from Esther's yeast creates, but sometimes uh, resident in the flavor and aroma of certain hops. In the use, uh, in this use, fruity is the descriptive term, but juicy no. is an evocative one. It hints at an experience as uh, this. So, if you want to put this picture in your mind, <laughs> as when a dribble of sun warmed liquid runs down one's chin after biting into a peach. <laughs> it's, it's a weird, like, very specific, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, that is juicy. You stop and you go, juicy, yeah, that is where, yeah, that's it. And that's really where I tend to fall with the term juicy. So, whenever I'm saying juicy, I'd like. I don't know. I, I, it comes to that, and it's more of like a state of mind behind it all. Like it's that overwhelming fruitiness, and that like the overall feeling it can give you. State of sweatpants. <laughs> state of sweatpants. Uh, by this reckoning, uh, juiciness is extreme fruitiness. Another definition is more closely associated with sweetness. This is a major element of low bitterness IPAs. Uh, the sweet malts are not balanced by much bitterness, and the fruitiness that comes from the English yeasts and American hops communicates sweetness as well as fruit flavors. Indeed, interpreting the sensation of sweetness with any hop bitterness uh, interferes with some people's definition of whether it's juicy. This is an especially important point in 2018 because sweet beers, uh, a la pastry, dessert kind of stouts <laughs> are another big theme in brewing Man, uh, i had to i had to stop myself from buying some like uh blueberry stouts i was like no those probably aren't nearly as good as you want them to be it's like 
kind of want some blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> no, my hands were, I was going to buy some bottles as I was getting stuff for this episode. I was about to buy some of the uh, Saga Tuck mm. uh, blueberry pancake. Oh, oh. That might have been what I was actually looking at. Because <laughs> they had it in singles, and I was like, oh, yeah, daddy want. So, no Look one. For our, <laughs> what? for our next style episode, where it's going to be most likely Berliner Weiss, I went ahead and picked up a three pound jar of strawberry preserves. Oh. So that'll add a. Casey, tremendous... I'm going to your house right now to make biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that. I mean, it's, it's like probably four times, five times the size of a normal strawberry jam jar. Mm. Oh uh, my God. But that'll add a lot of those strawberries. Just enough for one flavors. biscuit. Right. Yeah, just, just dip it right in. Uh, add a lot of those sweet flavors, and then we can add fresh strawberries or frozen strawberries, actually maybe better, in for mm. um, the fresh flavor strawberries have. Mm. Wow. All right, so no one definition will serve all needs. Uh, the qualities of juiciness are many, and people aren't using the term consistently. A big reason is because these qualities are new and not yet established. There is not yet a classic juicy IPA to which we can all turn as the standard and uh, platonic idea. So juiciness remains an elusive term until we figure it out. What we actually prize is a juicy IPA. So, yeah, that is, again, this whole style. Like, that is what we're a month into this being official as New England being a style so this is one or two like we're at the beginnings of this we could have you could wait you know five years and you could have a much more flushed out episode on this but it, that, this might be an interesting idea to revisit this in several years yeah sure. revisit it and see where the because provided my you provided our all collective liver holds out yeah mm-hmm. as this episode like the end of this episode shows you where this is the infancy of the style yeah and things are already changing and sub styles within something that was already a sub style are popping up like this is it's crazy it's the wild west of beer and uh the description of the which was that from the that blog? The oh yeah, that was an awesome blog that I okay. uh, unearthed. I just want to make sure because they Talking had that. They're the ones who came up with that very specific description of what of juicy. Yeah, because so. that was so. When I was looking at shopping around for people talking about juicy, it was forum posts mainly were your sources, and this blog actually he sourced all those forum posts. Yeah. So I was like, well, all right, I'll source him because he's already done the other sourcing for me. <laughs> You got ensorcelled. Yeah. Ooh. So hazy, that term by itself is even less defined and constant use um, than the word juicy is. Hazy is a pre-existing term, of course, used long ago to describe beer with unwanted proteins in suspension, but more recently for beers with a hoppy shimmer to them. That makes me concerned about what kind of proteins they were finding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those beers were a lot less cloudy than today's hazies. Haziness is a relative quality far closer to perfectly clear than terms like cloudy, which describes Hefeweizen's level of opacity. Whereas juicy seems to be a term waiting on agreement, hazy seems to invite confusion. <laughs> With New England's IPAs, drinkers in the know could expect both dense opacity and intense fruit juiciness. 
The style such as it was contained both requirements, but what of a hazy IPA? Must it be cloudy? Should it be cloudy? Sierra Nevada's new IPA, Hazy Little Thing, which is juicy, but not cloudy, is an example of how this term can be both accurate and inconsistent with the earlier uses. Which is strange, since it has hazy in the, in name. the name. It's not hazy, yeah. yeah. And yet, because it meets consumers' expectations of the term, it may well begin to redefine the meaning of hazy IPA away from the opaque versions originally brewed in New England. When the New England IPA phenomenon was in its sweatiest, (laughs) most agitated state of hype, brewers were doing anything they could to cloud them up. The original New England hazies got got there naturally with no effort to murk things up. But in the classic American way, something is good, more of it must be better. As with hot bitterness in an earlier generation, the Vanguard pushed things to an extreme. So where does this haze... Now just a brick. (laughs) Where does this haze actually come from? Chill haze, hop haze, etc. aren't anything new in beer, but the proliferation of a distinctly and and intentionally hazed IPA category has been significant over the past year. Some, actually, the past few years, um, some brewers get haze from yeast strains that don't readily flocculate and fall out of suspension, which is interesting because the yeast strains that these brewers are wanting to use are yeast strains from England. And those yeast strains from England produce more fruity esters, and and those aromas will, will be present in the beer. But those yeast strains are very readily flocculant. And so that means that they'll actually fall out of solution very easily whenever you're you're looking at these yeast styles. So the yeast that we brought over here to try to turn into a uh, a, a hazy IPA can't have been the exact same yeast style that the Europeans were using. Now, other breweries have indicated that they're using higher protein malt bills, which means that they're throwing in oats and wheat and uh, some, some things that don't necessarily... Uh, let that beer on its own clear up. Um, it's also the same stuff that promotes foam retention on the head. Um, plus, they're adding in late hop additions, which kind of demotes <laughs> the head foam retention. Uh, but some wizard-like fashion, it says here, that keeps the hop polyphenols in suspension, uh, supposedly. Many folks mention flour, though uh, the reliable Tired Hands Brewing seems to be the main player there via its milkshake series. There are at least as many methods as there are potential category names here. Sorry. What did I miss? The key to getting the haze may be in the process, but the reason the haze took off may be more marketing. Some drinkers got the idea that these beers had so many hops in them that the polyphenols would just cloud the beer by themselves. Although that is possible, it, has, it isn't something that is prominent to the extent that the hazy IPA craze has driven the opacity. Hazy IPAs today usually benefit in appearance from the addition of wheat in a manner consistent of how Hefeweizens get their cloudiness. As we mentioned, though, uh, those brewers wishing to take something nice and go extreme with it have driven the practice to adding wheat flour to the boil to make the haziness beyond what would normally occur. Hmm. Proponents of the West Coast-style IPA over the East Coast-style have even gone as far as centrifuging the particulate out of the beer and then tasting it. That means they put it in a centrifuge, all the particulate matter falls to the bottom, and then they uh, 
they will take the, the clear beer off. And they actually claim that it tastes better without the haze, although that's heavily subjective. Man, guys, I feel really well rested this episode. <laughs> Lost you for a little while there. So, um, of, uh, EMP talk. <laughs> so, uh, we've got this nice little chart that we're going to have to put up. Yeah, it's definitely going to be in the show notes. Um, it's from craftbeer.com. Uh, it, it's basically got a Venn diagram of English IPA, American IPA, and the New England IPA. And, and you know, some of the differences that you'll see. Plus, they've got a breakdown of like the uh, each one for. Uh, original and final gravities, ABV, um, IBUs, that kind of thing. It's a really nice infographic. So, uh, yeah, we'll have that available um, on the website. I think when you when you look at this, it's comparing, like you said, the English, the American, and the New England style. So all together, all IPAs of these styles will have hop aroma, medium body. They'll have a chill haze, meaning that whenever you do um, reduce the temperature on them, they will kind of haze up a little bit all all these heavy hopped beers will. Hmm. Um, they'll have a lot of bitterness in them. And of course, there will be some esters that are present through the yeast strains. Now, when you're looking at the American IPA, those are more clean in flavor. And they're crisp, which is kind of like that English IPA. It's a crisp flavor. You'll add more sulfate into the beer, and that will crisp up the flavor and crisp up that bitterness. On the side of your New England IPAs, though, in the water chemistry, you'll add more chloride. And that creates a softer beer. It creates a beer that's more, um, even though it's got those hop expressions with the hop haziness that you could get in the American IPA, and it's got the yeast character that you would get in the English IPA, it's a softer beer, which means that it comes in with more of those uh, not really harsh bitterness notes, but even a beer, beer that comes in at 60 IBUs, is is not tasting like it's 60 IBUs. Hmm. So with those characters, you're going to find that that the New England IPA style in general is just more rounded on the edges. That makes sense. After, I mean, some of the ones that we've had, like, you don't feel it until you're, you've done with the whole giant can, and it's usually in a giant <laughs> can. Um, <laughs> Pint cans. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's... I don't know. I, I still am kind of preferable to the As New England style. As made popular by the Alchemist. Oh yeah, that's true. It's big sixteen ounces. Um, okay, so where are we at as of right now? Spring twenty eighteen for New England style IPAs. So um, at this point, a handful of national distributors have gone into the hazy game. So we've got New Belgium, Sierra Nevada, and Boston Beer Company. Boston Beer founder Jim Cook said, uh, "Quote: We did close." Uh, we did close to 100 test brews trying to figure out which combinations of yeast and hops and temperatures and timing of hop additions produced the juiciness. That took about a year of work. We believe there is a new set of biochemical reactions or activity between the yeast and the hops that we haven't seen before. It's a real fundamental innovation, and so we wanted to make sure this beer uh, make this beer available nationally. Uh, there are a lot of people who have heard these stories of the New England IPA. It's been the unicorn of craft beer. Uh, but a lot of people out there still have never had one. Uh, who better to bring it to them, says, you know, Jim Cook, founder of Boston Beer. Um, <laughs> but uh, he I mean, also Boston, did... Boston sounds like it's very much in New England. Yeah, yeah so... it seems like a good place to be getting something called a New England IPA. Yeah. Uh, he did note that um, uh, Boston Beer Company is indebted to the brewers who pioneered this style, which, as we talked about, is basically, you know, uh, 
The Alchemist. Alchemist, Treehouse, uh, Hill, Farms Hill Farms Dead. Dead. Yeah. Um, Hillshire Farms. He's <laughs> waiting for it. Uh, Sierra Nevada's contribution, like as we <clears throat> also mentioned, the Hazy Little Thing IPA, uh, describes as their unfiltered, unprocessed IPA straight from the tanks into the can. Um, now, New Belgium is using the New England IPA style as part of its existing Voodoo Ranger series of beers. The Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze uses American Hefeweizen yeast, and it comes in at 7.5% ABV, which is actually more than um, the Sam Adams or the Sierra Nevada. Um, and the thing the thing that I still find is interesting is, like, the New Belgium one, which it is, it does come in cans, I believe. Yes, but it's, it, it didn't launch in cans, but you can get it in yeah. cans now. But the regular size cans, or you can get bottles. Like, everybody else does a straight can um, for their New Englands, I feel like. Um, some a lot, don't. A lot are doing I have it one w- that doesn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot go one way or the other. I, I feel like you see cans more than bottles for the for this style. It's, it's, you generally yeah. do, yeah. It, it may go back to the fact that the brewers that are doing this are craft brewers that are already on the can wagon before yeah. they yeah. hit on this wagon. That's a good point. That and it's kind of unappealing with the particulate and everything. Oh, that, and the bottle, yeah. Everything that's, is floating around. True. We'll get into that when we get to the tasting. Yeah. But. Um, okay, so the Brewers Association in March 2018 released its guidelines for hazy pale ales, IPAs, and double IPAs, and consumers who have tasted many versions of the substyle are beginning to dis- discuss them in more nuanced ways. Variation within the subgenre has emerged, like the milkshake IPAs, those mm. w- with uh, brewed with lactose, are becoming distinct <clears throat> from versions brewed with oats or versions that achieve their appearance through extravagant levels of dry hopping. What about versions brewed with Hall? <laughs> Didn't so, see any Hall versions. Are, are we, is that going to be Delatter's New England IPA? <laughs> what? Hall <laughs> Oats Milkshake IPA? Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's too on the nose. So that is a big thing because... Uh, so the Milkshake IPA... No, it's, it's the Hall and Oatmeal Stout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hall so what about no? It was going to well, be. Well, we still have the Holler Tau and Oats. Holler Tau or Oats. That yeah. was the one we settled on. That's right. Yeah. So it's got to be uh, a milkshake IPA with Holler Tau. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um. So <clears throat> on the juicy or hazy India Pale Ale, the color is straw to deep gold. The clarity is low to very high degree of cloudiness. Uh, typical of the beers. Uh, starch, yeast, hop. Protein and or other compounds contribute to a wide range of hazy appearance within this category. So they go out of their way. This is from the Brewers Association. Yes. This is their official guideline that they released just mm-hmm. a month or so ago. That they're all, you know, basically they're laying it out there for any way you're getting the haze in there. Mm-hmm. They're allowing it. Once once again, I hear protein and I'm, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> yeah, a lot like of your... Grains will have proteins in them, and those proteins create molecules that will form a haze, but they're not, you know, animal proteins or anything like that. <laughs> uh, no, no, I was just wanted... wondering if I was going to find a steak floating in this thing. So that, yeah. does that, that mean that the, uh, well, the Scrapple beer that we had from Dogfish a couple years ago wouldn't qualify? <laughs> That's uh, a fat sheen. That's a, di- <laughs> <laughs> that's a different protein entirely. That's a protein. <laughs> Uh, that's you could pour that beer into the skillet and start frying up bacon. <laughs> I want more of that beer. Wouldn't that be good now with like meat? You just pour that in there. Anyway, it. it was so good. Yeah, uh, a cup of a cup of malt actually has nine grams of protein in it. Oh wow! Oh. Mm. Oh, no. Okay. Um, 
the perceived malt aroma and flavor, uh, low to low medium malt aroma and flavor. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get this right. Low to low medium malt aroma and flavor may be present. Um, the hop aroma and flavor, and this is all this is perceived. Uh, medium high to very high hop aroma and flavor are present, with attributes typical of hops from any origin. Uh, perceived bitterness. That's not juicy. Yeah. Hops. Origins unknown. Uh, medium low to medium on the bitterness. Um, fermentation characteristics. So low to medium fruity estuary aroma and flavor may be present, but are usually overwhelmed by hop fruitiness. Um, diacetyl should not be perceived. Well, I would hope should not. it ever. <laughs> um, Again, diacetyl should never be perceived unless you're eating popcorn at a movie theater. Yes. Um, the Maybe cancer. The, the body... <laughs> But it's uh, worth it, Casey. (laughs) I'm going to ask for a little extra cancer when I get my popcorn at the movies tomorrow. Jeez. Um, They they, they make me apply my own. (laughs) Then they refill it, and I apply more. (laughs) Wow. Uh, The body of the beer is uh, medium low to medium high. It's a perceived silky or full mouthfeel. May contribute to overall flavor profile. Uh, the additional notes: grist may be include or may include a small amount of oat, wheat, or other adjuncts to promote haziness. Uh, descriptors such as juicy are often used to describe the taste and aroma, hop-derived attributes uh, present in these beers. Um, and then got a lot of uh, numbers there. <laughs> the gra- yeah, yeah. Um, the, the original gravity is going to come in at ten sixty to ten seventy. You're going to have Bring that down to 10.08 and 10.16, somewhere in there, which means that the beers can be very dry, even at the end, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, you're going to have ABVs ranging from uh, 63 to 7.5% ABVs. Um, bitterness coming from 50 to 70s, although the perceived bitterness, again, that additional chloride boost may not seem as bitter as what you're getting. Um, and then we talked a little bit about color, but if you were looking on the SRM scale, you're looking at four, four to seven on the SRMs. Okay, so I had some fun with this list that we've got here. Oh, yeah, I didn't know if you guys wanted to include that or not, but I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> so there's a nice little list here. It's the top checked into uh, New England IPAs. The first on, name is my favorite thing on in the untapped. world. Second's mine. So, yeah, I love the second oh, one. Fair enough. So, number one, the number one checked into uh, New England IPA. This is also, it's only been a month or so since that's been an official category on Untapped. But this was on 2012. Number one, Fuzzy Baby Ducks from New England Brewing Company. I flipping love this Number two, art. I agree with Casey, but it's not my favorite. Bob knows knows my favorite. Yes, I do. Uh, but the juice is loose from Transient Artisan Ales. <laughs> Mm. amazing i i kind of wish the can just had a white bronco well you've got from narrow gauge brewing oj run oh (laughs) okay i thought i was actually crossing a line when i said there was a white bronco and then he's like oj run or (laughs) (laughs) you've got maybe i'm i'm at just the same level overripe ipa from great notion brewing Oh, so you're just kind of like bouncing around. I was like, yeah, that's not the next one. There's another one from Narrow Gauge. You've got Double Dry Hopped Cloud City. But I had to get down to yeah. my favorite. Can I, can I, can I, can I say this yeah. one? Because it makes me smile. <laughs> because the portrait, 
that they have yes. a label. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> From Noble L Works, yes. Thank you for being a friend. Traveling <laughs> down the five and back again. The best part about this is you can actually make out which, which one's one is which. which? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the lyric in the description of the beer, it's just the lyrics to the intro to the show. <laughs> Oh my god! And, and the label is is just like that, you know, picture of all of them together with hops in place of their faces. And it's interesting. It's Hair the, is still there. Yeah. The New England style, because I just looked at like Noble Ale Works is from California. Okay. Oh yeah, you've got stuff from uh, Monkish, uh, Alienated Fog from Monkish. Monkish is on this list a lot. Like, oh yeah, Monkish. They're huge in those circles right now. Uh, anyone else seeing anything? There's Monkish again. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's Monkish again. Yeah, they're from also uh, from California. There's a few of these breweries that you just see over and over. 18th Street. Hey, Dime, I've had that one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I didn't... Bissell Brothers, a shout out to some actual New Englanders. And, and then we have uh, Bearded Iris uh, with Tunnel Vision, Double Dry Hop Citra yeah, popping only, up in there out of Nashville. The only one on the list, because I thought more of their stuff would be on there, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what we know them for around here. Uh, Noon Whistle, uh, Squishy Gummy. I had some Noon Whistle at a release a few weeks ago. Some pretty decent stuff. I would love to try, now this one's an actual New Englander as well, the uh, Lemon Meringue Milkshake IPA from Tired Hands. That sounds flipping delicious. (laughs) Pretty much anything from Tired Hands. Like That's one of those breweries that's... If you're in the know, you want stuff from Tired Hands and Monkish and Transient. And... Oh, Brewdog's on there, too. So that's nice. Yeah, I thought I saw them on there. Uh, it just says New England IPA. Got it? Okay, let's be more creative here, Brewdog, okay? Look, they don't, they're not here to worry about names. They're here to make beers and build hotels. <laughs> that All out of hotels. Apparently last year I saw the uh, floating around the story that they released uh, what is considered to be the worst beer ever made. Gosh. And they had to release an official apology about the beer being so bad. Recall it. And then this year they had the balls to go, no, we're doing a version two. <laughs> we're gonna, nice. We'll fix this. Trust I don't us. think it's a we'll fix it. I think it's a we'll make it worse situation. It's, it's an FU. It's because it's brew dog and they don't, they don't do that. They're just like, no, it was how it was supposed to be. And here it is more of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, additionally... If you're looking at where the breweries that make some of the best versions of this rank up, yes. yeah, on Untapped, the Alchemist is the sixth highest rating brewery on uh, Untapped, and Treehouse is the eighth highest rated. Well, Treehouse of Brewers and Treehouse. Apparently, and, if you're going to try and make those releases. It's some crazy stuff, but I guess uh, they know what they're doing. Like it's kind of apparently insane how how well-oiled that machine is when you go there for releases. Hill Hill Farmstead's the 14th highest rated, and Trillium is the 16th highest rated. So There you go. Got a beer that's not on that list, but maybe we should try it out. One that is, as we discovered, the most obtainable. (laughs) It is made of obtainium. Yes. (laughs) Obtainium beer. Uh, So this is going to be... We're going to move into a tasting. We still have to figure out a, a sounder for I know, doing yeah. tastings. Hmm. But we are going to do the Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze. So here, let's go ahead. Let's and... uh, let's do this as a, as a sounder for for temporary stuff here. Looking for a little slap and pickle. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we're looking for a little slap and pickle. We don't get to use that nearly enough. 
So uh, what I wanted to talk about with this is usually on New England's, you want to give them a little rock before you're going to open it. Not so, a shake. Not nope. a shake. <laughs> but what I found to be best is like a gentle, so I'll do it with my bottle, just a gentle tipping upside down while the cap is on. Oh, crap. <laughs> no, not like this. No, Casey, you did it wrong. No, you didn't have to do it. Like, I just, just missed the glasses. I was oh. trying to pour. You're just trying to agitate because, again, with the uh, haziness, you want to get all the sediments that could have fallen to the bottom stirred about. Yeah. And yeah, then you're good. those delicious, delicious sediments. <laughs> yes, it sounds weird, but they are tasty. Now, so the delicious sediments, like pores, uh, quartz. <laughs> so I just had uh, the unnamed craft breweries, uh, New England. And this is just like a shade off. Like this, when looking at it, just when you're you're talking haze, that's what she said. Mm. Uh, Unnamed. It's a local brewery. We'll get to it. Gotcha. Uh, So, yeah, and mine's actually got some yeast particles floating around. It's like thick, dark, yeasty bits hanging around in there. Thick, dark, yeasty bits. That's the name of our New England IPA. That's the Delatters New England IPA, thick, dark, yeasty bits. Also the name of uh, the stripper coming to stage three. <laughs> Welcome, thick, dark, yeasty oh, bits. Oh, God. Thick, dark, yeasty bits is my He's going to be dancing to brand. Oh. pour some sugar on me. So uh, the Voodoo Ranger Juicy A's IPA, I got to say, it, it looks the part. Hmm. It does yeah. look hazy, juicy. I Now, okay, I'm not drinking this one again because you know we're waiting on results for things uh but i have had this one before and i really liked it um i did i i i like now we haven't had official actual new england ipas yeah a, a lot of not a lot but like so i've had oh, yeah. heady topper oh, I've, I've had, had heady topper yes Ju- and then and julius never mind julius okay ignore and, me yeah i i but I'm, I'm more used to our local brewery um having uh, a so, lot of new england styles and then being really awesome and then the voodoo ranger one uh compared to those is is not as um outstanding but i still really really like the beer and i for don't national, know what the beer yeah. would be called but now i want a drink called the mint julius the mint julius it probably exists. Oh, yes Ew. type it in on oh. tap see if something pops so uh the row on this so the I'm data getting... Very fruity. The data on this beer comes in 7.5 ABV, or sorry, yeah, 7.5 ABV, 50 IBUs. Beer advocates, 3.9 out of 5. Hmm, yeah. um, I'm getting a weird, I'm getting a weird aroma off that. So like, let, let me explain. <laughs> uh, Brittany touched that, on it a that, little bit earlier. That'll take too long. Let me um, sum up. <laughs> yeah, Brittany, Brittany explained a bit earlier. So... They're trying to mass produce a style that traditionally has needed a whole lot of hops in order to get that haze, mm-hmm. and they're they're trying to make a hazy IPA that that they're going for the look more than they are for the flavor. Right. So what they've done here is instead of using a British L yeast that doesn't flocculate very well, they have used a strain that they already had on premise, oh, okay. a Hefeweizen strain. Yeah, that's right. They did it. Okay. So what you are tasting here or is. Smell. A, or, well, what you're smelling here is a hoppy hefeweizen. Okay, because I was going to say ah, it's, got, it's got a strange, it's got a strange, like almost danky aroma. 
Yeah. Oh, well, that like could a, be, that like could be some herb- hops that you're picking up there, the herbal Maybe. hoppy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like that horse blanket. Uh, oh, now that, that that's will not be good. the hef, hef, a little hef. <laughs> so they'll yeah, probably pump it this little cold um, to get it to not produce as much hef flavor. Um, but the you could you could potentially if you let this go a little warm when you're fermenting it you could potentially get some bubble gum or some some clove even in there yeah huh. it's interesting the choice of the hefeweizen i mean i i get it, i get it after what we talked about for the cloudiness but yeah it doesn't make sense to me for the typical new england style yeah again, no, not whenever... it tastes it tastes very little like uh the the new england ipa that i have been drinking yeah However, I would describe it as juicy because it has a very uh, smooth, uh, almost sweet kind of flavor. Orange juice-like. Yes. So, but, so it, it does and... have citra and cascade hops. Like, it's citrus, ch- yeah. citra, cascade, centennial, Simcoe, and nugget hops. So, cascade and centennial are going to give you a bit of that dankiness. Yeah, and then everything else is basically the juiciness. So, the sweet, so when you use the juicy definition for this beer you would say you would be using the sweet definition is that what you're saying mm. uh, i'd lean probably more towards that it, it well as casey said it's orange juicy now let me throw you another curveball here that may help explain a little bit of this if you look on the side of the artwork written right above the government warning it says this is an india pell l with, with spices. spice yes so it does not mention anywhere in the data, and I've looked, or the, the stuff that they mentioned on the website, I've looked, doesn't mention what they've added in as that spice. Yeah. So my assumption is it's probably orange pill because they oh. want to add more of that fruity aroma and give it more of an orange juicy flavor. And, and that's they've... that's kind of the flavor that I'm picking up without having the hops in there to, to bring in that flavor. There's no mandarina there. What yeah. was it? I just saw they're gonna have some extra orange peel and spice uh, hanging around because they just made some kind of uh, traditional beer that they've done up with oranges in it. Oh, that's gonna be available so? year round. So they're gonna have excess bits of orange that could be ground down and used. I have to go double check on what that is. I can't remember. I found it during research. <laughs> Um, in addition to that, this beer has a lot more bitterness on the end. It's a lot more perceived bitterness than what you would normally get in a uh, juicy IPA, for me at least. The, the bitterness of this one is very much so um, pretty aggressive because 50 IBUs, it tastes like 50 IBUs. Yeah. A 65 IBU beer that's done the traditional East Coast IPA or Northeast IPA that does not taste, even at 70 IBUs, it doesn't taste as bitter as this tastes right now. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. This this beer has overall, from the first time I had it, been a little, uh, I don't want to say trying, but there are other, other nationally available examples of the style that are See, much I've not had any style. mass-produced versions. That's uh, This is the only one that I've had that's been like a huge... As our research came up, I had to completely agree. So Sierra Nevada's hazy little thing, while not hazy, they <laughs> did not... Uh, they, so what seems to have happened is New Belgium was achieving the aesthetic and the look <laughs> and yeah. not quite as worried about the taste. 
whereas Sierra Nevada was all about the taste and couldn't have cared less how it looked. Hmm. So Sierra Nevada's came out with something that actually is much less hazy. Like uh, if you saw me sipping on, if you look at the video and saw me sipping on what I was drinking, it looked like orange juice, what I was drinking. And that's this is kind of like a medium way to that. But what Sierra Nevada's, theirs looks more like uh, something the Alchemist would have come up with. If there's like a slight haze, it looks more, the haze factor looks like an Imperial IPA. Hmm. Yeah. More than anything on the hazy little thing. But it tastes spot on as to what some of those original New Englands were coming around at. So it is, as far as a mass-produced style, coming closest, I feel. Mm -hmm. And I think a number of uh, articles that I'd looked at were kind of agreeing with that. They're just saying, it doesn't look the part, but it tastes the part. Which also seems to be in the spirit of those original New Englands, whereas they're like, we don't care what it looks like, you know, we're just, we're going Doesn't for this flavor, good. yeah, like yeah. what it tastes like. And there, there is still the the Sam Adams one. Haven't um, had it yet. Yeah, I've been dying I, to try it if I could find it in singles. So I'm looking that up, and it, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, they um, they use Galaxy, Simcoe, Mosaic, Citra, and Cascade. That's kind of a gamble, so, using uh, a designer hop for a big mass-produced beer like that. Now, they do still use... I'm just I'm seeing what they have going on. So they use white wheat and then uh, oats on the, the malt. Um, white. So white. <laughs> it's a lower ABV, uh, not by much. Much lower IBUs. Um, so I, I'm, yeah, I'm really curious as to what the, diff, like, the comparison would be on that one. Yeah, I will say like after Casey like pointed out that it has, you know, made with spice, I'm getting that almost clove-ish um, kind of aftertaste. That on half this. of ice in this. I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> yeah. a like spice on my tongue after the as fact. it warms up for yeah. sure. Yeah, which you know it's not a, a not mine's a beer not, you want to warm not up. Quite very cold much. right now. Uh, it's been it's been sitting near me for for the whole episode because I can't run and. Walk sure. at, you can't run and record at the same time. Hmm. You're not trying hard enough. So yeah, uh, <laughs> thoughts I'm not, on, really. on the Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. So thoughts as to it being, they, again, they're not claiming it's a New England IPA, but that is obviously what they were going really? for. Really, Juicy Hazy IPA being it's, the yeah. name of it, that is that is pretty much a, we're what a they Northeast want. IPA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not slapping it on the label, but it's obviously what they were going for. Uh, to style, and then overall, just what you think of as a beer. Justin, go ahead. To style, I th- again, it has the look, but not quite the taste. Uh, it's interesting, though. I don't, I don't hate it. It's just, yeah. It's all right. I have a whole six pack of this in my fridge now, though, so I better get to liking it. <laughs> so yeah, that's oh crap. I, I lean, that, yeah. I lean with it as it's not very to style. Again, looks the part. Flavor is really off for being uh, a New England Northeast uh, Vermont IPA. However you want to go with it, it is. It's a fine beer. I mean, if I was out, so if we want to do it by the. The uh, standard that we've been setting, if I'm out somewhere and my choices on draft are a Boston Lager, a Bud Light, or Juicy Haze IPA, I'd be fine going with a Juicy Haze IPA. I might not get a couple of them, but I would definitely get one. Depends on what I'm eating. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I do appreciate that uh, a lot of these offer food pairings, like Sam mm-hmm. Adams has on their website. Because, I mean, as soon as you have a New England style, you're like, what would this go with? <laughs> I would immediately do fish. Uh, the, the one that I've seen on everything is pineapple upside down cake, and I'm like, yep, that's fine. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking citrus going with... Uh, oh, yeah. I'm just doing on the fish by itself. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, Casey, um, what's your impression? So, if we go down through the list of what the Brewers Association is saying is too style, straw to deep gold, yes. Okay, yes, color's right. Clarity is right, because it's not clear. Um, perceived malt or hop uh, sorry sorry it's perceived malt aroma and flavor low to low medium malt aroma may be present yes okay very low malt aroma perceived hop aroma and flavor we'll come back to there uh perceived bitterness medium low to medium yes fermentation characteristics i'll come back to body is medium low to medium high yeah probably silky mouth fill yeah it's got a little bit of this weirdness at the very end where it's kind of a, a puckering flavor um so let's go back to the hop aroma medium high to very high hop aroma and flavor are present with attributes of typical uh attributes typical of hop from any origin yeah if you say any origin maybe but there's no medium high hoppiness here to me Hmm. um it's it's definitely not a huge hop uh hop aroma bomb um, not like what you would expect with the juicy ipa section now the fermentation characteristics low to medium fruity aromas so you're not necessarily looking for the aromas that you would get in a hefeweizen yeast so that by itself throws this off of style um, alone so i've got the on the style guide out of a five i would probably put it at a three Hmm. two and a half three to style on the would i buy it and drink it i would probably put it at a three and a half three and a half to four because it is a pretty decent beer it's but just not a good New England IPA. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, there are things that they could have made this better. If it were a clear beer in this situation, if it were a clear beer, it doesn't know what it wants to be, I don't think. And it's not inside of any particular category, which kind of muddies the waters. Yeah. The I, I, well, yeah, but I, I agree with that. It, it doesn't have a clear concept. Give mm. me some haze from starches that you've thrown in there at the last minute and replace the yeast with something cleaner like an L yeast, just a standard American L yeast. And it improves this beer tremendously. Again, for all these beers currently on market, they were all developed and brewed prior to a Brewers Association ruling on what the style was. And the BA ruling is more of the way they work. It's sad to say, but the way they work is they want to be as inclusive as possible Mm. to every style that's out there. And that's why it says low to very high cloudiness of any type. Yeah. And that's the reason it says that it can have medium high to very high hop aroma. It's, it's being pretty generous. I was going to say that like from low to medium, yeah, to very high, like that's pretty much everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and so they're being very generous on some of these categories specifically so that people can come in with a beer like this and submit it and potentially win an award. But is it a good example of what the best ones are? No. Hmm. Agreed. All right. So uh, what else have we been drinking? Drink with me, friend. Uh, I am boring. I <laughs> I have a, another seltzer water, guys. Uh, <laughs> I've got uh, 
one of the Dasanis. It's the sparkling um, strawberry guava seltzer water. Guava. And uh, before that, I was literally just eating applesauce, cinnamon applesauce. <laughs> what about pork chops? Oh, I want pork chops. I am not a fan of pork chops, actually. No, no, Brady, no, no love for the Brady Brunch reference. All right, moving on. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm boring this week. Sorry. Uh, I hope to actually get adventurous with at least like the juices and other waters and stuff that I can get. Um, I do want to say we got uh, there was a Tropicana apple juice. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's a thing. Or like apparently there's a bajillion D different kinds of like the simply uh, whatever juice like, you know, the simply orange and simply apple. There's like all those now. But I was craving is... uh, last Brittany, is week... it simply the best? I don't know about that. Better than all the rest. Better than all the rest. <laughs> um, but I, so last week I was craving uh, specifically Concord grape juice, like the Welch's mm-hmm. Concord grape. Yeah. Um, like that rich, you know, kind of taste. And foxiness I, is the term actually you're looking for. It's a grape term called foxiness. Is it really? <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Foxy. <laughs> <laughs> but so what they have now, which we totally are on our second uh, bottle of is um, Welch's Concord grape juice with coconut water and pineapple juice. And it, like it's all together, and it's flipping delicious. Oh. oh. It sounds weird, but it's, it's really, don't really want, good. I don't want all those things together. I, it's, it's pretty good. I like it. You still, there's like a hint of the Concord grape, but everything else is, yeah. I've, I've not had it, it, but I was like, with coconut water, I was like, no. It's <laughs> like, and pineapple juice, just burn it. <laughs> Whoa. I like it, but uh, but yeah. Other th- other than that, I'm I'm dumb and boring. So, uh, Bob, where are you at here? <laughs> well, um, I uh, have been having uh, something from Highwire. Mm. Their mm. low pitch, or as I kept trying to think of it in my head, their low wire. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what it's called. The low pitch, uh, the low pitch juicy IPA. Obviously, it's a New England style IPA. Uh, comes in at four point nine percent, and it is uh, thirty five IBUs, and a beer advocate beer advocate score of three point eight five out of five. Uh, I really like this. Uh, it's 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 actually like really not uh, very citrusy. It's uh, <laughs> I was writing a note down earlier. There's, it's got lacing like a boss. Yeah, <laughs> literally, this thing just hangs around on the the rim for the whole, whole time. Uh, but it is, uh, it starts out much hoppier, and uh, as uh, and then as it goes on, it kind of diminishes a little bit. But it's a nice citrusy kind of hop. Uh, it, I, I will say this, it's cleared up a whole lot from from sitting out when I had to pour the next beard out. Uh, had it said a minute, I was like, that doesn't look clear at all. It looks like the Mexican beer I had earlier. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, the brewery description for this is, This thirst-quenching, quench- thirst easy-drinking IPA packs a bright citrus hop punch. Uh, and juicy American uh, hops with a light malt bill make uh, the low-punch TM. The perfect uh, pairing for Sandy Shores, Mountaintops, or your bestie's birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Because of course. 
course. That was the first beer I had from Highwire, and for me, that was like love at first taste. And ever since, I've just been like, I want everything from Highwire. And now that they've opened up distribution into Kentucky, I'm just like, yes. I was encouraged uh, from Highwire from our uh, our last Merton Bowl. Mm, yes. Uh, which, while not necessarily, I don't think was my favorite Merton. Still really solid. Yeah, great Merton. Uh, and that was Chris Merton. Chris <laughs> Merton. I don't. I think that is that the one that I hated. No, might the, have been. The one you hated was the one from. Because um, one just was bad. Brooklyn. Oh, oh, yeah. theirs uh, was just yeah, terrible. Yeah. Brooklyn beer. None of yeah. us were fans of that one. It was just. I was about bad. to say it was the one from Boston beer because. Because it never actually gets that high, apparently, for us. Uh, despite every Oktoberfest, first thing we drink. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just how it goes. That's what you're there for. All right. All right. Chris. So I was drinking a local beer during the episode because every, we'll say, municipality at this point has a brewery. <laughs> In Cincinnati. Anywhere, any municipality has a brewery doing a New England IPA. You can find Is there a 7 Eleven? There's a brewery there. Yep. You can find <laughs> I was going to say every block. So I was drinking uh, Yoda Potato Strikes Back. Not only. Yoda Potato. <laughs> not only was it a New England from a local place, uh, it was a redo of a beer they did last year. So it was a revisiting. So this is from Listerman Brewing Company. It's a New England IPA coming in at 8% ABV. Uh, IBUs, couldn't find it anywhere. They're, they're there. I mean, you can taste hops. <laughs> uh, but since it is a local joint, we went with an untapped rating because mm -hmm. there are more reviews of it there, and it came in with a 4.2 on untapped. That's not bad. <laughs> no, uh, no real brewery's description on this, uh, but it is part of their pet series wherein they started naming beers after uh, employees' pets. And my favorite of the pet series... Wait. By name and by actual taste of the beer is uh, Hank the Dumpster Kitty, which is when one of their brewers adopted the cat that had been living yes. in their dumpster. I was going to say, wait, the, this beer was named – like, when did when did our friend Doug start working there? Because he had so, a cat named Yoda. This no, is, this, this, one's is, a pug. this is a pug. If you're looking on the video, I'll hold it up. There is no. – that is Yoda. He is a pug. A Yoda solid potato. black pug. It's a menace down the The actual Yoda made an appearance at the original beer release. That was last year sometime. Frank Oz? No, no, the <laughs> dog. The little oh. black pug was there. Sorry, was you said original Yoda, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Getting fancy up in here. Casey, cool. what were you having? I uh, pulled in with a burial beer, um, Surf Wax. It is an IPA, but you know what? It's hazy. I'm going to say it should be in the hazy IPA category because it's hazier than the IPA coming out of uh, Sierra Nevada for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's probably just as hazy as the Moody Ranger is. But anyways, the... Um, Surf Wax comes in at 6.8% ABV, 65 IBUs, which you couldn't taste the IBUs. <laughs> Beer Advocate scores it as a 4.1, but to style and 
both to style and to beer uh, in general, rate beer gives it a 99. So, Ooh, so we don't use rate. It? I know, I know it, we don't use rate beer, but AB InBev does not own this beer and it still has a high score. That should be something, right? In a town where they do own a brewery. Yeah, two, one block, two blocks over uh, is where Wicked Weed is. So, yeah. Um, it is delicious. Uh, comes in with mosaic, citrus, centennial, and Columbus hops. Lots of barley, and they added a touch of wheat in there. So they're using a good yeast strain for ales, but they're adding wheat to get that cloudiness, which so, I'm completely okay with. Yeah, as uh, as you were touching on, we were talking pre-show about how Burial is having this... For some reason, they aren't labeling a lot of their things as New England style. It may be to avoid getting caught up in what a lot of people are perceiving as a fad. But they are making beers of this style, and they're just calling them IPAs. They'll call them Imperials, Doubles, whatever kind of IPA. They will not put New England IPA on it, because I've had several that would just say Imperial IPA, and then you poured it into a glass and went, well, that's a New England, because it would be a bright, like, (laughs) like, exactly like the one I'd poured earlier drinking the Yoda potato drink to the show just like this you're like well that looks like orange juice or straight pineapple juice or something like that and they do not hint as such on the label because a lot of breweries have taken New England to be a fad and they do not want to play into that but they are still brewing to that style Um, I do want to put out there for those folks that do want to kind of figure stuff out to brew at home um, I'll give you a recipe for more beer so you can kind of look at the, and for those that don't brew, you can kind of break down and see exactly what goes into a hazy IPA. Um, for a five gallon batch, you would use 10 pounds of two row malt. So your standard malt, a pound of flaked oats, a pound of flaked wheat. And those are the ones that are steamed and then rolled over so that they're actually like puffed and then flattened kind of like cornflakes are done. Um, then you have a half pound of carapils, which is a, Pilsner style malt that's just been uh, kind of toasted a little bit adds a little bit more head retention to the beer. Then some wheat malt is added in there as well. Um, and some honey malt. So some honey flavors, a little wheat flavor. Then that's all mashed up and everything as usual. But the key comes into the hopping schedule. That's what you really want to look at. So the bittering hops that you put in for 60 minutes, you're only going to put in some warrior. And that's not a huge bittering hop. It's just basic basic hops and it's such a small amount of hops to be put in as a bittering hop i just like to imagine you put it in and you go come out and play (laughs) you gotta have empty bottles clanging them together on your other hand (laughs) so you put in that little bit of warrior hops and then when you're getting ready to get to turn off that whole system you put in an ounce of citra so five minutes out before you turn it off five uh one ounce of citra not a whole lot okay Then after you have turned off the heat, you then add two ounces of mosaic and an ounce of citra. This is where it gets fun because these aren't causing bitterness at this point. There's no bitterness really coming out, give or take. It's still hot enough, but it's not really rolling boil. Um, After a little while, once you get into the primary fermentation, you wait about two or three days, you add in another two ounces of mosaic and an ounce of citra. And then after uh, after you wait for about a week, 
you add another ounce of mosaic and two ounces of citra. This is not a cheap beer when you start to think that per ounce citra costs about three dollars and fifty cents. Wow! So you're looking at um, at least on our local local level, um, you're looking at uh, one, two, three, four. And then mosaic in there, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine ounces of hops that won't add any bitterness really at all. Ooh. And it's all aroma. Wow. wow. That well, is unreal. I, it's a good thing. Uh, one of our stories uh, late last year was about how those kinds of hops are going to be more affordable. Uh, yeah, quite. And that's, I mean, it pushes the, the IPA craze even further. Um, it, it does make note in the recipe here. Don't add any sort of treatment to make it clarify, because that's not what you're looking for. No. <laughs> so yeah, comes... down and go like, it's too cloudy. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> there is a new yeast out there um, for those that are trying to uh, get your your hoppy IPAs, and that the yeast is um, the northeastern style IPA yeast WLP. 095 from Burlington L Yeast. I wonder where Burlington is. Mm. Maybe, maybe Vermont? Mm. The Burlington Yeast Factory. <laughs> <laughs> it has a high alcohol content, uh, alcohol tolerance, meaning that those alcohol levels can go to 8 to 12% easily. Um, it is higher in some of the fruity aromas that you're going to get than your standard Chico yeast. Um, it has actually been known to increase diacetyl if you increase the temperature. So you want to keep your temperature under control. It is a medium flocculating yeast, however. And so whenever you go in and try to pull this yeast down and, and it starts to crash out of the beer and starts to clear in the beer, it won't do it as well as what you would normally see in a, um, a traditional European L yeast or a, a British L yeast. So that's really good on that end. There you go. Op- optimum fermentation temp, 67 to 70 degrees. So you can get it in there fairly cool, uh, fairly cool room. You you should be doing pretty good. All right. Go ahead and start cracking away at your own. Send those to <laughs> us. We'll, we'll, we'll try them. No. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll, we'll test them for you. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. All right. You can visit haveadrinkshow.com for useful links about us. Also, look for Have a Drink Show on social media, twitch.tv, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Also, message us on Facebook, DM us on Twitter, tag us on, you know, anywhere. Whatever you want to do, yeah. We will respond. <laughs> and all joking fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. And if you are uh, in our Discord, you'll have seen the great inside dad joke about that right now Man. about uh what is it so someone needs to make why hasn't someone made a brewery called responsibly so every other brewery that does uh. does an ad <laughs> is promoting your oh. brewery in the end mm. please drink responsibly oh my goodness hold on i have to google this <laughs> that was a good one good need job. to trademark this now <laughs> At the very All least, right. a beer should be called that. Anyway, York, Pennsylvania. That, that was ah. thanks to Mbeam in uh, nice. all. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, York, Pennsylvania, responsibly brewing company. Someone's That's already amazing. beat us all to it. Good job. Ah. Go link that under it in the uh, in the Discord, Casey. <laughs> so it's settled. All right. All right. Um, so check us out next Saturday for our next live episode. And remember to check out patreon.com slash have a drink show. Uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. And it actually says it's a homebrew. We may still be able to do this. Oh. <laughs> See you next time. Hey guys. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>